And now, it's time for Mr. College Football and Friends with Tony Barnhart. Greetings and welcome back to Mr. CFB and Friends. I am your host, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. We are getting ready for the second Saturday in October, and the playoff picture is starting to take shape. We're going to talk about that a little later on the show. But before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, APA Games, APBA Games, the unquestioned king of quality simulation products. You'll find them at APBA.com. Okay, let's bring on the guys. I got to start. We're, we're, we've got the entire map of the world covered, but we've got to start. Mr. Tom Lucci is joining us from Rome, Italy. Mr. Lucci, how is your journey so far? Uh, it's been great. Food's great. The sights are great. And the weather's been perfect. It's been a little hot, but the weather's been perfect. So, am so I, uh, all good uh, so far. Are we to assume that nobody in Rome is talking about the feud between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban? That has not come up in the conversation? No, no. I haven't even I haven't heard uh, one person talk about that. But uh, I will say this, Tony. I was at the... Coliseum today, so I've been to, to both the L.A. Coliseum and the Coliseum in Rome, so I can check that off my bucket list. Not everybody can say that. Well, Tom, let's start with you. What This is the, our What We Learned area. What did you learn on the first Saturday in October? Well, I, I think one of the things that we learned was that uh, ESPN in college came there going to Lawrence, Kansas, and, <laughs> and that's pretty interesting. To me, for, for a clash of unbeatens between Kansas and TCU, uh, I, I saw today that the game sold out, third straight sellout for Kansas. We're talking football now, Tony, as you know. No uh, question. So um, I, I think that's one of the things I learned about a little bit. Um, Ohio State's still firing on all cylinders. I don't know that we learned a lot about Georgia, except they've shown the same uh, vulnerability at times as Alabama does, but they're unbeaten. And that's what matters. Mark Blaschen from Sichuan, Mass, joining us here on tonight, the podcast. Mr. Blaschen, what did you learn last Saturday? Well, I want to—I don't want to disagree with Mr. Blucci, but I think we learned a lot about Georgia. We learned how tough they are, and 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 that when the situation was on the line from they were they were ten minutes away from having their their season go down the drain last last week in you know in Missouri, and, and their quarterback pulled them out, uh, and, and they they showed some guttiness, which good teams and great teams have to show. I mean, that's the big thing I learned. And the other thing I learned, I think we're going to learn this week, is let's see if UCLA's got the same kind of toughness because they take on Utah this week in, Los a in, in, in the Rose Bowl. So those, those are the two factors that I saw. Well, Herb, we're going to talk about your alma mater and its coaching change. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But other than, other than uh, the head coach at Wisconsin being asked to leave, what else did you learn last weekend? Well, I learned that the Oklahoma Sooners might be named, uh, renamed wow. the Oklahoma Sea Elaters. Uh, kind of a, a tough deal there. And also that uh, Texas A&M seems to be out to prove that top recruiting is overrated. Uh, you know, those are a couple struggling teams. Um, as you mentioned, my alma mater is, is you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. You know, excited for Kansas and TCU. Uh, you know, we just learned that, that that a lot of the things that we know aren't necessarily true. And that's what makes this game so doggone interesting. Tell you what I learned once and for all. It's not a question of if 
but when Ryan Harson's going to get let go at Auburn. For the second consecutive week, he blows a, a double-digit lead at home and gets beat. They're up 17 to nothing against LSU and got beat. So it's going to happen. It's only a question of when. That transitions us perfectly into hot topics. Paul Chris fired after five games of his eighth season at Wisconsin. Herb, here's what I want to ask you, because this is the first thing that came to my mind. First of all, if it can happen at Wisconsin, it can happen anywhere. I just don't think of Wisconsin when I think of stuff like this. Do you think Barry Alvarez signed off on this? Oh, I absolutely do, Tony. I mean, I think that at this level, you know, I was around Illinois when they were making some tough decisions. I've been around a lot of, you know, Midwestern giants. When you when you're making a decision like that, you know, Barry Alvarez is definitely consulted. I'm sure that there are other people in the inner circle, especially people who write big checks who are consulted. Um, but as you said, you don't you don't expect this from from a Wisconsin because you know, if you look at, you know, Blau and I were talking about this earlier in the week. When you look at last year's record, doesn't look that bad. You know, nine wins, um, except that they muffed that game against Minnesota that would have put them in the in the division uh, championship, put them in the Big Ten championship by winning the division. So, you know, it's really it's really amazing. I think what it really shows you is just what a big business college football has become. You know, even when, 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 when the Big Ten signs a $7 billion television contract and when the Badgers, who are, you know, a decent, you know, they're having a tough year here, but for them to, to pull the plug on Paul Chris like this just, to me, shows what a big business this college football world has become. Well, so now we Yeah. Has he won close to 70% of his games? He did, but, you know, but the last three years were not good. I mean, I, I, it's funny because during the Washington State debacle a few weeks ago, I was texting and some of my, my fellow Badger friends and saying, you know, this is not good and they're going to have to contemplate making a change here. And one of the guys said, well, he's not going anywhere. He's got this big contract. And they he, he sent me a clip from the, the Madison paper. But all of that sounded true. But, yeah, you know, the last three years haven't been good. The recruiting has fallen off. He hitched his wagon to Graham Mertz, his quarterback, who was the highest recorded, uh, recruited QB that the school's ever had. And either they didn't coach him up or he was not, you know, he wasn't as good as advertised. Uh, the offensive line is getting pushed around. I and mean, they had two rushing yards against Illinois, which incidentally is coached by Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema. <laughs> is also known as Benedict Arnold in Madison. You know, he left for Arkansas dollars and that didn't go well. But the point is that this thing was on a steady downward trend for the last three years, even though he won 70% of his games. Well, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in my extra points at the end of our session, but now we have five, count them, five power five, coaches that have been replaced before we even get to that didn't even have we haven't even got to the halfway point of the season so we've got paul chris Carl Durrell at colorado oh and five he gets fired nebraska arizona state georgia tech that's five this was used to be really really rare that you would fire a guy at this point mark blauschen how did we get here 
very simple, Tony. Money, money, money. I, I think we talked about this before. It used to be in, in back in our days that that January fifteenth was was letter of intent day, and 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 coaches and administrators had from December first until middle January to straighten out their 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 deal. But now we have we have NIL, we have the transfer portal, we have early signing dates. December one is now the is now a key date for everybody. Yeah. So so ads. Knowing that they're going to make a change, they feel they have to make it uh, start looking now, so they can have someone in place by December first. Before it used to be December first, you would start looking. So, so the whole clock is speeded up. Well, another guy. This this is going to be interesting, guys. What's going to happen this weekend? Remember when this summer we thought the biggest game in the country on mm-hmm. August on October eighth would be Alabama and Texas A and M the feud between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, and it would play off to all of this drama. Now it's, 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 it's a nothing game. I mean, the only question is how many style points is Nick Saban going to, uh, going to put on at the end of this game. But here's my question, his buyout guys, because he got that extension, his buyout is going to be somewhere in the ballpark of $90 million. Now, wow. You've lived in Texas. You know what that is like. But I can't believe that anybody's going to get frustrated, even if they get wiped out against Alabama, which I think they will, by the way. I can't imagine that anybody's going to write that big of a check. You lived in Texas. You tell me. Well, I will tell I I saw a note today. Uh, Your your buddies down in the SEC, LSU, they they spent some money. They have spent $215 million in the last three years. On, on getting three coach, two new coaches in the last five years. Now you tell me. Now I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. But if AM suddenly falls apart and all of a sudden is two and ten, you, you think Jimbo's going to be the coach next year if he's two and? I don't think that's going to happen. But I but I w- I would never say never, especially at A and M, never. Well, to me, that's that's the underlying story about this game is how bad is it, and how bad does it have to be for Jimbo Fisher to actually be in trouble couple of headlines, Bryce Young, uh, AC joint in his uh, shoulder, may or may not play on Saturday. I don't think they need him, but the question I have, they I think they will need him on October 5th, October 15th at Tennessee. We will talk about that. Here's the fun story. Tom Lucci, you brought this up. Kansas and Kansas State are a combined nine and one, while Texas and Oklahoma or a combined six and four, and college game day is going to Lawrence, Kansas. What about that? Pretty incredible. I mean, it just shows um, <laughs> what we've seen so far this season, Tony. I guess we shouldn't be surprised by anything. I mean, if uh, Miami can lose to, to Middle Tennessee and even AM can lose to App State and the crazy stuff we see going on, and um, I, I mean, it's, it's a great story for college football, obviously. Um, and it's a bad, potentially bad story for Kansas because I'm not sure with all these openings that they're going to be able to hold on to their coach. Now, they right. say, I've seen stories that say they have money. Well, we'll see how much money they actually do have. Well, you know, that's that's the question I wanted to ask you, Tom, is if you're placing an over under on how much Lance Leibold is going to be offered by one of these schools with an opening, what would it be? I mean, what kind of a deal <laughs> can that guy command? You would think he's going to get a, a you know a five year thirty million dollar deal, which is not outrageous these days. I would think, right? F- mm-hmm. Five years, thirty thirty five million. 
Um, it, it all depends on the school. Now, Nebraska is so desperate, I think they would pay. Uh, I, you know, uh, I, and that's where he seems like it might be a, his best fit. But he could – I don't know. Does Wisconsin pay her? Uh, you know, it well, seems I, like I they think, do. You know, if they decide that he's their guy, I mean, given that they just – they're, they're writing an $11 million check to Paul Christ, who they re-upped not that long ago. And, let, you know, Lance Leibold has, you know, he's got some pretty good Wisconsin roots. I mean, he was a, a, a hero at Division Three Whitewater, right. Wisconsin Whitewater. I mean, he did a ton of work there. Um, so if they decide he's their guy, I, I think those numbers are very much a, a possibility. And they might even go higher if they really, I think his age is a factor, but but I don't think money is the question. Only thing I would say about age, Herb, is that a school like Wisconsin or Nebraska, uh, they only need a guy for, for five or six years to straighten things out. That's all. Uh, I mean, to me, he doesn't have to be a 20-year coach at one of those schools. He just needs to get one of these schools righted, the ship righted at Nebraska, at Wisconsin, back to where they were. And, and that could still be a 10-year career. Well, that, that's true. I mean – but, you know, the Washington State guy has deep Wisconsin roots, too, and he's 39, you know, now. but he doesn't have the track record, obviously. So, you know, you might not be as sold on him, but I don't, you know, if they, it depends on how they do their homework, you know, but you're right. 58 could be, that, that could work. All right, guys, we're going to add a new, uh, a new item to our weekly visits. It's going to be when we look at the playoff picture, remember that the, First official set of the CFP rankings, the ones that count, not, not the human polls, but the ones that count, are going to be released on Tuesday, November 1. But until then, I just wanted to have a quick roundtable discussion about kind of where we are in the playoff. Uh, I moved Alabama back to number one uh, after the weekend, after Georgia struggled for two straight weeks. I've got Alabama one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. I like the way that Clemson is playing now. DJ Uyungale is playing better football. Uh, so I've got Clemson at number four and Michigan at number five. That's where I am. Blau, let me start with you. Any problems with that? Uh, no, Alabama no. one, Georgia two, Ohio State three, Clemson four, Michigan five. Well, I hate to agree with Mr. Lucci, even if he's halfway across the world. But we talked about this. You can, if they did polls for the first time on Saturday, you can make a, a legitimate argument that Clemson has done more this season against quality teams than anybody in college football and, and would deserve number one consideration. Uh, I, certainly, I certainly think they're number number four slot. I think they, they solidified that for the time being by, by the way they won the last two weeks. So uh, I, those four are about, about right, in my opinion. Beat Wake Forest, beat uh, NC State. Handle NC State very, very, very well. What about you, Luce? Pretty good. Wake Forest, no. Wake Forest is a legit top 25 team when they've got their quarterback. They're a real good so team. So is NC State, Tony. So is yep. NC State. I, yep. I mean, if I was doing it right now, I told you I'm a big believer in tearing down the polls and starting every week. I, I, I don't know why. I would still lean towards Alabama with a healthy Bryce Young. I'd have Clemson, too. I'd drop Georgia just to three because they struggled so much at Missouri. I, I have, uh, you know, I, I don't place much into Missouri. And then, <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, if you just look at objectively at Ohio State's resume, is it any better than USC's? I, I don't know. To me, they're similar teams. They're very high octane offenses, very suspect defenses at times. Uh, who is Ohio State beating? Is that Notre Dame win such a quality win now, you know, at home? I don't yep. know. I, I, I think we're voting a little bit on – I think people are voting a little bit on reputation. I'm not convinced that 
uh, Ohio State should be in the top three just yet. And I could make it a toss up for four between USC and, you know, and Ohio State. Well, very, very good. All right. I always remember USC, Oklahoma State, big win for them. Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Penn State are all 10 are undefeated. It's going to get really interesting here in a couple of weeks. And now it's time to visit with the locksmith all the way from Rome. My goodness. We'll have to keep track of where you go from, from how your picks turn out from Rome. Last week, you were two and four. 13 and 17 against the spread. I do believe you told me. And yeah, so it's been a struggle, Tony, this whole year has been a struggle. I'm hopefully I'm getting, a, I'm, I'm ready to go on one of those good streaks. Well, let's start that streak tonight from, from Rome, Italy. How about that? Let's start here. Nebraska over Rutgers. You're given two. Uh, what about your, what about your, your nights of Rutgers? Well, they have three quarterbacks and none of them are any good. <laughs> so, I mean, now that may, you know, that may change against Nebraska because Nebraska's off, uh, defense is so terrible. But uh, I, I just, I mean, if you look at, at Rutgers the past three games, when they start to play real teams, I think they've scored a combined 34 points the last three games. They just cannot score. They were handed a gift early in the first quarter, the first touchdown of the game against Ohio State. Then they managed three points the rest of the way. Um, right. I just feel like Nebraska still has talent. Um, you know, they can score. And, and that's going to be the issue for Rutgers because – uh, as good as they are defensively, I still believe uh, Nebraska is going to be able to score points against them, and I don't think they can keep up. That's the big issue with Rutgers. They can't keep up with teams that score. All right, so the locksmith takes Nebraska over Rutgers. He's given the two points. Remember, that game is being played on a Friday night. Uh, Luch, this game fascinates me. LSU over Tennessee taking the four, okay? They're playing in Baton Rouge, so you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take LSU home dog and take the four, right. take the four against the volunteers. A couple of things, Tony. I watched the whole uh, LSU Auburn game last week. And I, I just always, I never felt like Auburn was going to win that game. Even when they were up 17, nothing, I thought it was clear by the second half that the best team on that field was LSU. I think that's a talented team. I think, uh, as I mentioned last week, I had them as the best bet. They were giving too many points. <coughs> Excuse me. They didn't cover, but I think Brian Kelly has this team heading in the right direction. I'm not buying stock in Tennessee just yet. I'm not doing it. Uh, the Florida win was a nice win. I just am not a believer in that defense. We'll see. This is their first major test. First real one because they're going to be leaving, uh, you know, Neyland Stadium and going to Baton Rouge, as you said. That's a tough test. I don't think they're ready for it. I think they're going to be surprised at what they say. Well, I'm going to push. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you here. I'm taking Tennessee because of that offense. Hendon Hooker. 39 touchdown passes, only three interceptions dating back to last season. Luch, this is this is a big game for the Hogs of Arkansas. You're going to take Arkansas over Mississippi State. You're going to take the lay, take the four and a half. You have you say you haven't given up on the Hogs yet. I have not. And again, that was another camp I watched at length uh, last week was uh, Mississippi State Texas A&M. Uh, for all the points that Mississippi State scored, people are going to see the score and think, wow, they just blew A&M out. The reality is they had uh, A&M gave them the ball four times in turnovers. Three were in the red zone, Tony. One was a yep. pick six. Yep. I wasn't overwhelmed with what I saw from Will Rogers. A lot of Dinkin and Duncan did not seem stretching the field as much as I thought he might. Uh, maybe he's saving some of that for this game, but I still think Arkansas is a good team. 
you know, I, I just think they're just solid. They're well coached. Uh, to me, that's still an eight, nine win team. Well, I, I, I like Arkansas in this game too. If KJ Jefferson is close to a hundred percent, if he is, <laughs> I think they got a real shot. This is a well coached football team. Uh, Mississippi is. states, Mississippi state's getting better, but I I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Duke over Georgia tech. Given three not and a I'm half. not fine. Listen, every every year Pitt does the same thing. Uh, you know, I mean, they always throw in one of those games that scratch you make scratch your head. Last year it was Bowling Green. This year it's they, Bowling Green in the ten win season they lose to at home, and with a first round draft pick at quarterback. This year it's Georgia Tech. I don't, you know, I'm not buying that that was a a great Georgia Tech effort as much as it was just a, a, a Pittsburgh meltdown. So, uh, and I, I like the way Duke's playing. I mean, I caught the end of the Duke Kansas game. Uh, missed field goal that doink that hits on, I think it was the top of the crossbar, right? Was that the was that the Duke Kansas game? Uh, otherwise, that game still they they'd still be playing that game. You know, that was fourteen <laughs> eleven. That that's still that might be an overtime. They still might be playing. Duke's Duke's a very solid team. So uh, I'm not again. I'm not convinced with all the chaos we've talked about at Georgia Tech. And I'm not convinced that that uh, beating Pitt was a statement game because it still is Pitt. Wake Forest over Army, given 15, given 15. Now Wake Forest has played played well the last couple of weeks. Certainly could have beaten Clemson. They did beat Florida State. So you like Wake Forest going on the road and giving the 15? Yeah, one of my favorite venues in all college football, Mikey Stadium. I love I love going to West Point for games. I went there as a kid. That's where I first got exposed to college football. Loved it. Uh, but this is a bad Army team. Uh, they're still running the ball fairly effectively, but they have absolutely no no uh, passing game at all. They completed one pass last week. Uh, it's just not a good Army football team. And I think if Wake Forest takes care of business, unfortunately for Army, you know, you always want to root for the service academies, Army, Air Force, Navy. Uh, this, this to me, looks like it could be a 41-14 game. And finally, Illinois over Iowa. No, this is interesting. <coughs> so you're going, you're going to take Illinois. They're playing at home over Iowa, given a three and a half. <coughs> After watching Illinois smash mouth Wisconsin last week, you like the fight in Illini. I, as, I, as I wrote, Tony, in, in the pick, and Herb might appreciate this. Who's who's luckier than the uh, Illinois defensive coordinator? He gets Graham Mertz one week, one of the worst co- uh, quarterbacks in college football, and this week he gets Spencer Petrus, who's even worse than Graham Mertz. Uh, I mean, it's just. And here's the thing: I would ask you about Iowa. If if um, um, Brian Ferentz had a different surname, would he still have a job? I don't know. Herb can probably answer that. I don't think he I, would. I mean, that's just, I, I always describe that, that. I always describe the Hawkeyes offense as an offense that only a father could love. <laughs> yes, there you go. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> so uh, I, just, I, I think I think Brett's got the Illinois playing well. Again, I, I'm not a I'm not a, a great fan of uh, Tommy DeVito. I saw him enough at Syracuse, but maybe he's he's developed. You heard you probably watch him more than I do. But uh, maybe he's come along and matured now that he's, you know, an older quarterback. And so uh, I just like the what directions that the Illinois is going as opposed to Iowa. I mean, Iowa took forever to beat Rutgers, and they only scored 27 points. Yeah, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope for your, for my Illini friend's sake that you're right. I mean, Illinois, Bielema is sort of, you know, he dropped off the radar when he went to Arkansas. But people right. forget that he did a, he did a pretty darn good job at Wisconsin, even though, 
he wasn't getting that credit because he was just a caretaker after Barry Alvarez. But seven years, three Rose Bowls, awfully good. And he's built a nice team there. And they have good skill guys around him. So I, I like your pick. Well, you know, they're well, not well, asking the quarterback to do that much. Right. What I like is they have an identity now. You know, you know what you're getting at uh, Bielma, uh smash mouth football, you know, where they like to run the ball. They like to control the clock. They play good defense. I think, uh, you know, he's been there long enough that they have an identity. I, I like them in this game. All right. I'm going to do two. I'm going to two more picks. I'm going to call on Blau and Herb for these last two. Blau, North Carolina State giving three and a half over Florida State. Who do you like? North Carolina State giving the three and a half. Or do you like Florida State? I think that game's in Tallahassee, isn't it, Tony? I mean, I could have that wrong. That's my. If it is, that's my mistake. No, maybe it isn't. Then, like I like NC State. I, I think Florida, Florida State kind of got its bubble burst last week, and and I, and I think uh, you know NC State is 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 they can't afford to lose another game. So I I, th I think that's that's a good pick. I mean, I like that pick. Herb, I want to ask you about Notre Dame. They're playing BYU. Notre Dame's given four and a half to play against BYU at home. Who do you like there? You know, I'm so glad you asked that because, I've, Tony, I've just been looking at that. I mean, I'm seeing three and a half on the ESPN site, but regardless of that, uh, you know, I want to I wanna say Notre Dame because, they, you know, they, they, this is a game that, that could be a real pivotal game for them, and I think they'll be jacked up for it. Uh, BYU, you know, we were on that BYU bandwagon and I think they're really good, but I think Notre Dame will buckle up and, and, you know, I think they'll handle it. Um, four and a half is a little bit of a reach. I mean, I'd like it a lot better at two and a half, but, but I think Notre Dame is going to, they're going to get on a roll here because, you know, they need to do that before they, you know, reality happens at, with, against Clemson. All right. That's good stuff. All right, guys, we're going to start to wrap our time together up. But let me ask you this, Mark, I'm going to start with you. What's the biggest question you have about the second Saturday in October? Well, I mean, uh, there's a couple of questions. One, uh, I, want, I want to see what UCLA has against Utah. Everyone is, UCLA is kind of sneaking there and undefeated, but no one's talking about them. And they haven't played anybody. Now they're going to play somebody who's pretty good. They're playing. They're playing in the Rose Bowl. Let's see what happens there. That's the biggest question I have uh, about coming up. Tom, what's the biggest question you have? Well, I, I want to see how three teams handle it. UCLA's one. I want to see how legit, legitimate they are. That's number one. Can Kansas handle success? You know, I think that's a, a, a big issue, or not an issue, but a question at this point. Uh, they've never had this kind of success before in terms of. Um, I, I know they've been to an Orange Bowl a million years ago, but, uh, you know, in terms of getting having game day and all this hype and, you know, people promoting them as a, as a top 15 team, I want to see that. I want to see, you know what, I, I want to see Maryland move forward too. I, I've, been, I've been pleasantly surprised by what I've seen at Maryland. So uh, they have a test this week, and let's see how they do. Herb, what are you interested in this Saturday? What are you most looking forward to? What do you what do well, you think? You know, Lucci touched on a couple of them. There's a bunch of nice little undercard games in the Big Ten, Nebraska Rutgers and Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Maryland. But really on the bigger front, you know, we got Kansas and TCU this weekend, do we not? Yeah. And, um, yes. you know, I think that's going to be, you know, as as an outsider, if you will, I'm, I'm interested in that, in that as a Big 12 game. And the other thing, big picture is, we're, we're all sitting here assuming that all of these playoff teams are going to run the table. And it's getting that time of year 
where some of them are going to get surprised and shocked. And I'm sort of interested to see where that's going to come about. All right. Well, the question I've got is deals with Nick Saban. Understand Nick Saban did not like the fact that Jimbo Fisher went around beating his chest about having the number one recruiting class. Obviously it showed if he gets a chance to bring the hammer down on Jimbo Fisher, this, there are going to be a ton of recruits, I'm told, at this Alabama game, and he is going to bring the hammer down. Don't be surprised if this one gets ugly. All right. Just, thank Tony, you. Let me just jump, yes, me jump in real quick. Just to go back to what we are saying about Jimbo at NAM, don't you think he's bought himself a little time with the number one recruiting class in the country? Yes. Yes. Doesn't that buy him two years at least? That's why I'm not sure that all of this this I, I think some of this talk may be premature, especially with the ninety million dollar buyout. But uh, he may have bought himself some time with the number one recruiting class. Well, he he showed he can bring the number one recruiting class to Texas A&M. Now they they're looking for all the world like another eight and four team. The question is, can they can they bring in another top recruiting class? But I I agree with that. That's why I had this discussion with Paul Feinbaum today. Now, he just thought the guy was under tremendous pressure, and he is. I just don't see them making a change. Thank you, gentlemen. Always good to be with you. Let's put a bow on today's proceedings with an extra point from Mr. College Football. So here we go. Now, look, I I've been covering college football for a long time, and to tell you the truth, nothing shocks me anymore. By now, we're all used to schools firing coaches in midseason and when the program gets off the rails and there doesn't seem to be any real hope or recovery. Yeah, people make a change to calm the alumni down. As of Monday, five Power Five coaches have been let go before they even reach the midway point of their schedules. Some, like Herm Edwards at Arizona and Scott Frost of Nebraska, you could see it coming a mile away. No surprise. But Wisconsin and Paul Christ, I mean, you're talking about your basic blue-collar coach wearing that oversized Wisconsin sweatshirt. You're talking about a guy who's won 10 games in four of his first seven seasons. He went nine and four last season. He's been to three Big Ten championship games and a Rose Bowl. I mean, the, 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 the guy can coach. He was picked by Barry Alvarez. He was, he's one win short of tying Brett Bielema for the second most wins in school history. But after a two and three start, and after that beat down by Bielema's Illinois team last week, Chris was let go by the AD, Chris McIntosh. It, it, just, it just seems like an un-Wisconsin thing to do. But here's the reality. Under Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin was one of the most fiscally conservative programs, and I'm being, I'm being gentle there. He's one of the most fiscally conservative programs in college athletics, but now the Badgers and everybody else in the Big Ten are soon going to be flush with cash. And when you got cash, you can pay $11 million in buyouts, which is what Wisconsin is going to do with Paul Chris. If it can happen in Wisconsin, it can happen anywhere. And neighbors, that is not good. And that's the extra point. From Mr. CFB. Now, before we go, I want to thank again our sponsors, APA Games. You can find them at apbagames.com. Please remember our website, TMG College Sports, si.com slash college slash TMG. 
Mark Blauschen's Newsmaker of the Week is on the site. We make our team picks on Friday. A lot of good stuff from our guys. Check it out. I want to thank our technical staff, David Amaral, Sheila Dufresne, and Maria Barnhart. You guys are the absolute best. Hey, folks, have a great second football Saturday in October. For Mark Blauschen, Herb Gould, and Tom Lucci, this is Tony Barnhart. Thanks for joining Mr. College Football and Friends. Be safe and carry on.